Welcome to this, the inaugural episode of the Fantasy Front Office. Here we discuss a mixture of real-world and fantasy baseball due to their intertwined natures. Thank you for joining us on this exciting adventure for the love of the game. What a great movie. But first off, who the heck are we? Leading off, this guy seems to know what he's talking about because even at Joey Bats has his back on Twitter. Now give it up for Keith. Hey, what's going on, guys? Baseball is back. I'm excited. Let's go. And batting second, hailing in all the way from St. Louis, the Cardinal fan and all, our man with over a decade of fantasy baseball under his belt is at the Baseball Jedi, Phil. Hey, how's it going, everybody? Man, a few words. (laughs) And next up, when Goldschmidt happens, you'll hear about it from this fan of number 44 at Goldie Happens. Thanks for joining us, Todd. Hey, guys, and I just want to take this time to say the Arizona Diamondbacks are in first place. (laughs) Might not be able to say that that long. And batting cleanup tonight, your host, me. I'm Jeremy. I can be found on Twitter at FrontOfficeJer. I've got a half dozen years of real-world coaching experience under my cap, ranging from junior college to high school, even down to Little League. I've always had a mind of an all-star, but the body of a coach. (laughs) Well, just so you know, all four of us are in the same fantasy league, so hopefully we won't have too much uh, league drama that leaks over into the podcast. But with that said, let's get down to business. First up, what are some fantasy spring news that's going to impact people's teams, guys? The main guy uh, that I was thinking about today is Wilson Contreras. Uh, he catcher for the Cubs, obviously. Um, everybody knows about him now because of the World Series last year. He's not being drafted high enough. I honestly think that he's one of the top three catchers. I, I just think that he's a guy that uh, has the potential to be special. Every stop that he's ever made in the minors um, and even last year in the majors, he's excelled. So I just look for a bounce or a big year from him. And obviously yesterday against the Cardinals, ouch, that happened too. Yeah, I like uh, Contreras this year. I don't know if I would, would hold him all the way up there in the number three spot. I think, you know, Posey, Luke Roy Sanchez probably hold that down. But he's he's right up there pretty close. And it's possible that he has a, a really, really good season and surpasses, you know, one or two of those guys for sure. I worry about how many at-bats he's going to get. He's the primary catcher there in Chicago, but they have such a good squad that everybody's going to be sharing at-bats. So, um, you know, look at a guy like Buster that's probably going to play first base and catcher, maybe get a little bit more playing time. So, um, but yeah, he's going to have a good season. They played him in the outfield a couple of games last year, so he has ability yeah. in some leagues. I do like that. Good flexibility. Well, if you haven't already noticed, but I believe uh, Bryce Harper's back. And if you missed out <laughs> on drafting him, you're going to wish you had this year. He's back with a vengeance. Yeah, Bryce Harper actually led the spring training in home runs. I know spring training stats really don't matter, but whenever you're injured for most of the year and you come out and you lead the entire league in home runs for spring training, it actually probably does matter a little bit more than you would think for just a normal guy for for him it does i mean for him and guys like greg bird i think spring definitely mattered i mean there was rumors of of being injured yet last year and so when you come out in spring and have an ops that's just monster both those guys greg bird and and harper i mean it's really good to go into the season healthy and and hitting as well as they are i don't i don't think the season officially starts until bryce harper hits a home run on opening day so it's uh, it's definitely started now <laughs> yeah he's what five for five 
or he's, he's know, got that's... five on opening day. Yeah. yeah, I mean that's one thing you can always count on a Bryce Harper opening day home run. But the amazing thing that I've noticed of Bryce Harper is you, you see him ranked eighth, ninth, tenth in these drafts, and he's one year removed from a National League MVP. There is a little bit of value, I think, with Bryce Harper at the end of the first round that a lot of people are going to be kicking themselves at with. The, the, the thing about him is he had such an up and down season. I mean, like if you look at what he did, you know, two years ago, and then last year, it's a huge difference from the numbers. So yeah. Bryce at his best is going to put up absolutely monster numbers. It's depending on what Bryce Harper do you get. And I am hoping, you know, we get the the 2015 Bryce Harper because that was just an incredible season. Plus an on-base percentage leagues. He's got a solid on-base percentage. Yeah. Even even last year, whenever he had the down year, his on-base was close to 400. So it was something that he didn't really hurt you that bad with the 240 batting average. Yeah, he took his share of walks. Baseball needs a little more Bryce Harper. Just to keep that excitement up. Make baseball fun again. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. All right. Any other spring news? For me, the guy who I was able to pick up late in uh, snake-style drafts is Ian Desmond. He's out out till late April, but the transition to uh, Coors Field... There, there's so much potential with Ian Desmond. 22 homers last year, 21 stolen bases, 285 average too. He will have first base eligibility pretty quickly. Just Ian Desmond's a guy I took advantage of late in drafts in our auction league, uh, wasn't able to get him. But Ian Desmond, that was the name that his injury dropped him to 42nd on ESPN. Jay Bruce was ranked 41st. So Wow. Yeah, that surprised me. For a guy who I, hit 285 last year. I think a guy that I'm, I'm excited about is on the health side is Michael Brantley. I think it's obviously he had the the shoulder injury that was nagging him the past year. Um, but, you know, two two years ago or so, it was him up there with Harper and Altuve at the top of the, the standings as far as output. And as long as he's healthy, and it looks like he's healthy this year, batting number three in that lineup with the Encarnacion behind him, I think he's got good protection. And if he's healthy, he's going to put up great numbers. So I'm excited to see his health this year. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a huge Brantley fan. I, I'm, a, I'm a guy that likes people that produce all across the board not just in one specific spot so Brantley giving you some solid batting average decent RBIs decent runs a few stolen bases and handful of home runs also that's always something that I uh, can take to the bank with him so I really like him as well all right great picks there guys now let's transition to our second topic these are guys that are waiver pickups that are probably out there in your league probably available in more than 75-80% of the leagues out there. So who do we have that are our hot picks for this week? Real quick, did you guys, who'd you rush out and pick up this this past week? Does anybody uh, stick out in your mind? I know I picked up Gurley and he blew a save today, so I know I'm probably not alone <laughs> in that one. Well, that, that's who I was actually going to talk about because obviously with the Ozuna injury and saves for blood leagues like we're in right now pretty much. I mean, every save matters at this point. Um Grilly, Grilly is in line for saves, and that's just how dumb it is. But I mean, that's that's how Major League Baseball works. Yeah. Speaking of saves, uh, quick question off the cuff: What about the Washington saves? I know Blake Trinan probably leads, um, you know, the most added list on a lot of sites. So, do you guys think he actually sticks with that job and gets the most saves in Washington? There's Kelly. There's Coda Glover, you know, what do you guys think as far as who ends up with the most saves for that team? I think my well, pick's Kelly, surprisingly. He, he's, the, he's the guy on the outside looking in, but I think probably Kelly's got the best stuff. I think we all got duped by uh, by falling in love with Coda Glover there. 
and and you know the rug got pulled out from underneath me at least a couple of times but uh but yeah i i think trinan's got the job right now but who knows what washington's gonna do i agree i think coda glover has the highest upside but i think as far as stability is concerned i think kelly has obvious the choice um trinan i don't think is going to hold the role very long so i would pick up kelly even in a league that it doesn't necessarily have saves plus holds or holds or anything like that i just think that his uh, ratios are going to hurt you or help you enough that once he does start getting the saves uh it'll be a great pickup for you yeah i'd recommend if you've got anyone on that uh nationals squad for pitching i would pick up one or two or all three if you could just to at least hold Hold the cards in your favor. I was surprised because I think going into, you know, the last week of the season, I think everything was leaning towards Cody Glover. Um, and I, I was like, man, Dusty Baker's not going to choose a 22, 23-year-old to save for his ball club. And sure enough, he, he didn't. I thought it was going to be Kelly, uh, but all signs were pointing towards Glover. So but right now, you know, Blake's got that job. And, and uh, you know, I... My gut's telling me he won't hold it for very long, but uh, we'll we'll see. Well, that really depends on how many saves the Nationals will have to actually get in the early going. Another situation that I was looking at is with the Angels right now. Houston Street's out for a while. Cam Bedros in, had an amazing spring, a strong season last year, 112 ERA in 2016, and he had nine scoreless innings in spring training. Sosha did say that it's going to be a committee, but Bedrosian should lead it. So I was wondering what you guys kind of thought about that. I think Bedrosian's another one of those guys that it doesn't yeah, really Houston Street back yet? I know he's starting a little bit of a throwing program, but I think he's still got a ways till he comes back. Yeah, I saw a thing today. Was, they said probably two more weeks at least. So it would be a short-term option with Bedros. Yeah, I think if he gets the hold of that job and, and holds it down, I think I think if he gets a hold of it and, and he'll keep it as long as he you know doesn't blow two or three saves throughout the next two weeks, I think you know he has a, a decent start to the season. I think he'll hold it down. I think uh, Bedrosian's one of them guys that even if he doesn't, again, like Kelly, I think even if he doesn't get the saves necessarily, I think he'll still uh, affect your roster well enough to justify a spot because the the strikeouts, the low whip, the low ERA, uh, maybe get a couple snake wins here and there. I just think it's a guy that would help your roster no matter whether he's getting saves or not. Especially in a saves plus holds league. I think Bedros and, and Kelly are great ads for both those leagues. Right. Yep, valid, absolutely. Valid yeah. point. Another guy uh, that people may not necessarily think about picking up right now, but I think it's prime time because a lot of people are actually dropping him is Josh Bell. Uh, he's struggled this spring and he struggled, you know, yesterday uh, or was it today? Either way. Um, but he just hasn't had the greatest the last couple of months. Okay. But he's a guy that he's produced at every single the level that he's ever been at i just think it's hard to overlook him uh, i honestly picked him as my rookie of the year this year so it would look foolish of me not to promote him at this point whenever people are dropping him <laughs> right right no i'm 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 a Bell believer as well. I, I think yeah. he's got the stuff to stick in that lineup. I think he had a little bit of a tough time transitioning to first base, but he's a guy who's going to get on base at a really, really good clip. He's got an awesome plate discipline to his game, so he's going to take a lot of pitches. He's one of the only like three guys last year that walked as many times as he struck out um, with a minimum of like 100 plate appearances or something like that. So he, he's definitely got elite plate discipline and a good approach to the game. And in a younger guy, that's going to keep him in the lineup probably more often than not, even though his defense won't. But um, as long as he doesn't struggle really, really hard out the gate, I think he's going to stick at first base. Yeah, well, today's game, uh, his first three at-bats weren't very pretty. Very, uh, I think he grounded out all three times. 
But his last at bat off of Craig Kimbrell went opposite field off the monster for a double. So that was very, very, very encouraging. Yeah. And uh, Josh Bell, he's gonna get he's gonna get every opportunity at first base this season. I mean, there's not much of a threat. The Pirates could move David Freeze over, but Josh Bell, that's their guy at first. And even especially yeah, if you're the only reason they move Freeze over is if you get uh, the no, absolutely. Yeah, I, I think as long as Kang's still, you know, out of yeah. the country, I don't see, think they'll move Freeze to first base. Um and John Jaso is John Jaso, he's not gonna surprise anybody with anything another decent on base guy but he's not gonna you know shock the world and, and do anything uh too spectacular so i think he's his playing time is pretty secure for right now as long as he doesn't completely fall on his face well that actually transitions us to my first uh, waiver pickup would be david freese due to being able to affect most of your stat options across the board and being available in almost uh 93 of leagues right now on espn sounds about right yeah david freese is a good low floor guy but not really too much upside later in the draft or as my waiver pickups like i prefer to go upside guys like i said about like josh bell he hasn't actually put together a full season of power but if he ever does i mean he's a monster of a human being not to circle back but i i just think that for me personally i i prefer the upside guys so speaking of, of monster of a human being with with upside is, is anybody believing in aaron judge sounds like he's gonna hold down that right field job until he doesn't hold down the right field job um, but he's on the most added list right now you know a, a decent hit double i think yesterday and his first or second at bat and you, what do you guys think of uh, aaron judge he big uh, yeah he's a <laughs> giant very very big and well apparently the the yankees felt that he'd do more for him than keeping hicks out there in right field so we'll just have to see I heard a report yep. that was saying that, that Judge is the everyday right fielder, and if they're getting Hicks in the lineup, it means they're going to sit either Ellsbury or uh, Gardner. So, I mean, that's got to be a promising well, sign whenever wow. the team comes out and starts saying things like that. So, Yeah, well, Girardi came out and said, you know, a couple weeks left in spring, he said, Judge is going to be our everyday right fielder. So I, I think, you know, if that's the, the same comment that you were reading there, Phil, but I, I think they're going to, you know, go with him and, and until he fails. And I think... One of the things about Judge throughout the minors is it seemed like he, through each level, he would get advanced and he would fail. He'd figure it out and succeed. He'd get advanced. He'd he'd fail for a little bit. But just the fact that he could push through and, and kind of conquer a level, it took him a little bit longer. I think he's 24 years old. But, I mean, I, crazier things have happened. I mean, his profile is a little ugly as far as, you know, swing and miss, and he's not going to take a lot of walks. So, if he can connect with the baseball enough to put, you know, 30 or 40 home runs down there, then yeah, he'll stick in the lineup. But if he starts striking out, you know, like three, four times a night, it's it's not going to last very long. The main benefit with him is is going to be basically just him being in Yankee Stadium in, in general. With him, all the Yankee stops in the minor leagues are below average as far as like p- power potential and things like that, like the park factors. Yep. So when you when you get to Yankee Stadium and you're like a top three stadium. That itself, I mean, you saw what Gary Sanchez did. There's there's a reason that Gary Sanchez hit more home runs in Yankee Stadium than he did in the minors. It's because it's Yankee Stadium. It's a it's a barn box. You just swing and it goes out. That's just how it works. And that can be said for the, uh, the majority of the American League East. You got a lot of right, very exactly. good hitter ballpark. Yeah, exactly. The power potential of Aaron Judge, is, it's elite for sure. Thanks, Jeremy. Oh, you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> traded for Aaron Judge in the league today in case oh, you there you know go. where that came from. All right, so what about what about this? Who hits more home runs from these three guys? Gary Sanchez, Aaron Judge, or Greg Bird this year? Given the same amount of bats, let's say they all get 450 at bats. Who hits the most home runs? Well, I would say Judge. 
I'd go with Bird. I think the raw power potential with Judge is just superior. Right. He's got he's got the raw power. Is nobody going to take Sanchez here? Because I'm I'm going to take Bird. I I just think that probably because I've been on the Bird bandwagon. I'm wearing a, a, a Greg Bird T-shirt right now. You guys can't oh, see it, but it's geez. it's it's his only T-shirt anybody's ever oh, made. So yeah, I, I've been on the Greg Bird bandwagon all year. So uh, is nobody going to take Sanchez here? I see. I was going to take Sanchez because the thing of Gary Sanchez is that we've seen the power before. You know, it's it's not a question. We saw it last year. That I think Gary Sanchez may be the safest bet of the three. Yeah, yeah. it's probably the safest. Uh, I, I I'm torn because I I picked up Sanchez just as he was getting hot last year and rode it out. I'm riding it out with this year. I feel there's going to be a sophomore slump, but that he'll be worth bouncing back after that. Maybe this first half is not going to go quite how the end of last season did, but it'll be the second half of the year where he tweaks something. Mechanics-wise, it's going to fall into place, and he's just going to light it up again. So, I mean, given all three of them equal at bats... Ooh. That might be our first podcast bet of the year right there. I think uh, I'll take I'll, I'll take uh, Bird on that one. Yeah, I, I'm going to have to go Bird also. That, that short porch is going to be... His best friend i know this is off topic but what about uh miguel sano i know he hit one today and that guy just has elite power if he can just put a couple of little things together i mean he walks a lot too so what do you guys think about him yeah absolutely just crushes the ball so well i mean if you don't have sano already your your chances of picking him up are pretty slim at this point yeah that ship sailed (laughs) yeah he's a good he's a good trade target though because sometimes people don't really realize you know what they have they just look at the stats that were from last year or whatever and they don't even know you know what i mean like depending on the kind of leagues you're in most of the leagues i'm yeah. in people people aren't like that but people that are out searching for answers and things like that they're usually in leagues where they're home leagues and people might not necessarily be as keen right i'm i'm looking at it right now he struck out 36 percent of the time last year so that that might be a deterrent. Yeah. Phil, you kind of brought this up last week on the show. On our demo show that you guys probably won't ever hear. We may have to readjust what our, our thoughts are as far as strikeouts. I mean, it's just we're in a strikeout-heavy environment right now, and, and it's not frowned upon as much as it was before. Uh, I just pulled up my, my bold predictions from this year. Um, I have uh, Miguel Sano leading all third baseman in home runs is my prediction, which would put him over Bryant, would put him over Donaldson, put him over you know a ton of those guys. That's you know that's obviously a bold prediction, uh, but I think he's got the the elite power to be able to do that, and I think he's had that power for a while. It's just the the, the ability to kind of cut down on those strikeouts and, and put the ball in play a little bit more. Well, plus his his growth has been stunted because he had the Tommy John surgery of all things as a hitter. Um, whenever he was in the minor leagues. And the very next year that he came back, they just decided to throw him in the majors. So he didn't actually get the period of growth that most hitters get at the young le- or at the lo- lower levels. And he's been tossed around to outfield, third base, outfield, third base. Yeah. I mean, the, the Twins seem to have just uh, not the brightest idea about how to handle their prospects. Look at Byron Buxton and kind oh, of the, the back and forth they've done with him. And, and they're, you know, they're revamping Barrios' is, is mechanics and the first year in the bigs. And they just seem like they, they really mess with these guys quite a bit. So if they could just kind of, you know, see ball, hit ball, I think he could uh, have, a, have a great year. All right. Are there any pitchers out there on the waiver wires that you guys are seeing that you got your eye on or that could be a help for somebody in need for starters? One name that I do have is Tyler Chatwood. He's available in the majority of leagues that I've seen. With the Colorado Rockies, obviously you're not going to want to stream 
at Coors Field. But on the road last season in 13 starts, Tyler Chatwood had a 1.69 ERA. So that is something to keep your eye on, is Tyler Chatwood. If you're looking to stream starters for a week, if you have Tyler Chatwood and this Wednesday, he faces Milwaukee on the road. So that would be something that I would keep an eye on. Not necessarily this matchup because I think he faces Boston, but Tyler Glass now is a guy that's unowned in a lot of leagues right now. Like I said, probably not in the leagues that we're in, but a lot of times in other leagues. And he's a guy that if, if he can cut down on the walks, he can become an elite pitcher. I think if I had to pick one guy, I think Dylan Bundy is probably my guy. Uh, available, it looks like about 75 or 80% of leagues. Um, he's been allowed to work with his cut fastball that he had coming up through the minor leagues that they kind of shut him down after his injuries. So uh, the new pitching coach there in Baltimore has kind of loosened up the reins a little bit and allowed him to throw that cut fastball more often, and I think that's going to lead to you know better strikeout numbers and a, just a better all, overall repertoire from from the pitching side. So um, yeah, I like Bundy as far as available guys. Bundy and Gosman, that's one duo that could carry the Orioles this season. I'm really excited to see those two this season. Definitely. Well, there's a guy that pitched today that really caught my eye. Actually, it's Edison Volquez. I mean, he threw five innings. No earned runs against the Nationals. Good outing. Yeah. I mean, 51 pitches were strikes out of his 80. He was all around the strike zone. And it wasn't until the inning he was pulled that Bryce Harper went deep. So it was it was bound to happen. <laughs> it was. <laughs> Well, the thing about Edison Volquez is, is he's been around for a while. Everybody pretty much knows what he is. He'll throw, he'll sprinkle in a couple of these good starts every now and then, and then you'll put him on your roster, and then he's going to shell you for about eight or nine runs. So I would stay away from him unless he proves himself a little bit more than just one start. That's just my personal thoughts on him. Uh, he's a heartbreaker for sure. Yeah, he's one that you may just have to play the matchups with. Get pretty uh, deep into those stats and see what he's done in the past. But that's it for that. All right, now we do have, in this mound visit, we're going to dig into the mailbag. We've got a couple questions that are going to be pretty interesting. First up from Yancey in Tampa. Um, Are you moving Archer, I'm assuming that's Chris Chris Archer. Archer? Yeah. Yeah, Chris Archer. Up in your starting pitcher ranks. I think I'll tackle this one first. How's it going, Yancey? Chris Archer is a guy that's been around for a few years, always been kind of a darling for a lot of people. Um, His main issue has been walks. For his career, it's three per nine inning. And last year, walks combined with a high home run rate. um, His home run rate almost close to almost doubled last year. Uh, And then at that point, it sent his ERA out of control. Uh, He was really unlucky last year, but it's just something where everybody knows what he is at this point. He's a top 20 starter. Yancey, we're not making him five for you, buddy. (laughs) Well, so so much of his success relies on his slider. Um, That seems to be a pitch that, that he leans on. And he had such a hard time last year repeating his mechanics. Um, and so if he can actually get that that pitch down to be a swing and miss pitch, I think he could take a little bit of a bump. Like like Phil, I'm not going to probably raise him in the ranks based on on one outing. Um, you know, it would take probably an injury for me to adjust 
you know, a pitcher down, but I'm not probably moving anybody up at this point right now. Not even, you know, Carlos Martinez after his 10 strikeouts yesterday. <laughs> now, Yancey did have a second part to this question. Are we moving Tanaka down or was yesterday just an aberration? And just a reference, Tanaka only went 2.2 innings and allowed seven earned runs on eight hits and two walks. Not great. And, and I, I saw this game. I don't think the Yankees, you know, speaking of their young hitters, I don't think any of those guys did him any favors as far as this this game there were some misplayed balls at first base you know there was some some dink and dunk things that kind of set him up he gave up a couple of hard hit balls but for the most part he was just kind of getting unlucky um you know he had a really really strong spring which doesn't mean a whole lot but um i think he had uh you know the lowest era and whip in in the spring a really good outing and unless for me unless somebody comes out and the yankees say hey you know what he was his elbow was was bothering him and, and forcing him to to deal with that the whole time unless there's some type of lingering issue um i'm actually looking for an opportunity maybe to buy low on tanaka right now um you know if, if somebody's gonna give me you know 80 cents on the dollar or something like that or or i can take him for 80 cents on the dollar i'm looking for an opportunity to buy low unless there's something injury based there Tanaka is a prime example of why spring training stats don't matter because he led all of the spring in ERA and whip, I believe. And then he comes out and gets shelled his first appearance. So you can't really read into that kind of stuff. But one appearance, like you were saying earlier, it doesn't really mean anything at, at this point in the game. I mean, unless it's two or three in a row, that's when you start to get concerned. I stays exactly the same. Oh, yeah. If I own Tanaka right now, I'm holding on to him. I'm not too worried. You've seen so much success from him in the past that I'm not worried. Yeah, yet. that all, nearly 24 ERA kind of can scare people away or scare them into a, a sell mode. So, I mean, if he's out there, you may kind of float an offer to whoever's got him. You're going to find examples on both sides of the coin. I mean, you're going to find examples. Look at Zach Greinke last year. I think he got shelled in his first outing and and uh, never quite turned it around. He had a pretty rough, uh, pretty rough April. His his uh, was but you have a other guys that, that came out and got shelled last year. That his his situation was a little bit different though because he actually went from an extreme pitcher's park to an extreme hitter's park and. I, I actually saw that coming. I, I had wanted nothing to do with Grinky last year because of that reason. Uh, he's more of a fly ball pitcher, and that's where fly balls go to be crushed. Yeah, but he survived in 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 Miller Park. I mean, which is you know one of the best uh, hitting parks as well. So I mean it's just kind of one of those things. I think there was probably multiple things wrong with Grinky and maybe still something wrong with Grinky, but um, you know i'm not I'm not too scared off by Tanaka right now. doesn't sound like you guys are either. No. No. All right, let's go on to our second question. This is from J-Dub, and he's asking, is Drew Smiley worth a draft and stash? I think I saw on Twitter the other day that uh, something about if Drew Smiley had nine lives, he's already used half of them. <laughs> um, and, and and that's the honest truth. I don't, I don't exactly remember who that was, so sorry if I'm not crediting someone at this point. But I just thought it was kind of funny and true at the same time. I, I honestly don't invest in pitchers very much, or I try not to, just because they're so injury-prone and volatile, especially one that's already been injured several times. I don't think I would draft him at this point. If, if I'm going to draft and stash somebody or just pick somebody up off waivers and stash, based on who's injured right now, you got Smiley, Mats, Pomerantz, Gray, Rodon, Desclafani, Tillman. I'm probably going after... Matt's Pomerantz, Gray, and Rodon way before I go after Smiley. I just think the upside is there. If you're going to stash somebody, you know, any one of those four guys I think could have, you know, top 20 potential if they figured it out. Uh, they all have their problems. Yeah. 
Um, some injury related long term, and some just you know coming off nagging injuries. But um, I, I think you know Smiley's probably a relatively low floor guy. But again, he's not going to probably you know win you any leagues. Yeah, I own Drew Smiley in a ten man league, and uh, I cut him this week for Jarrell Cotton, who is still on the waiver wire. I just don't see a reason to keep him. Yeah, may not be worth it. I mean, he's looking to be out six to eight weeks at minimum. Granted, I liked that he was moving to Seattle in that pitcher's ballpark, but. Ah, the the injury history is really chasing me away. On to our final topic. We've got some opening weekend news. Are you buying what you've seen or are you selling on what's happened? My question is, will Madbaum lead all pitchers and home runs this year? <laughs> uh, I'm going to say yes. I think the only one that gives him a, a run for his money is uh, Jake Arrieta. And that pains me to say as a Cardinals fan, just so you know. <laughs> I mean, Mad Bum, he has such a head start right now with two home runs. I mean, I I can't see anyone catching him. All right. Well, this this is my second part of this question. Does he get an over-under of 10 home runs? Well, he's already did two, so I don't know. It's kind of tough. Um, I think I still go under just because I think there's I think most of the time pitchers just groove it to pitchers and if he gets up to like eight or nine I don't think they're gonna be grooving it to him anymore well they shouldn't be grooving it to him anyway they've seen what he's done the last <laughs> couple years yeah but you know how that works yeah still mental focus goes down and then you know what I mean he's just a pitcher I got uh, I got one that kind of sticks out for me as far as spring uh buy or sell Eduardo Nunez for another uh 40 40 plus home runs <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to sell, sell, sell on that. Yeah, I don't think you're getting many people to buy that one. If you do, I got some swamp. You don't, think, me too. You don't think Nunez is going to have 40, or no, as I say 40 home runs, I have 40 stolen bases, sorry. You did I say home runs? You said home runs. So. <laughs> Holy yeah. cow, man. Would you, would you like to buy some swamp land? <laughs> I, I, you know what? 40 home runs and 40 steals. We're putting up a 40-40 season. All right, let's re- redo that. Eduardo Nunez, buy or sell 40 steals. Ah. He's got two, but 40 is a big number nowadays. I think I sell that. I would actually buy it, to be honest with you. What He had 41 last year, I believe. And with San Francisco, I think when he gets on base, he's going to be looking to run. I, I really like the fit with um, San Francisco. I think he gets past 40 this year. Because I believe, yeah, he had 41 last year. So I think he does it again. The repeat will be tough, but I do think he's going to hit 40 again. Well, I mean, before that, his highest total was 22. Yeah, his average is 31 home runs. 31. Yeah, on 100. Stolen bases. Stolen bases. Stolen bases. (laughs) (laughs) You're you're still thinking the other giant. I think maybe he gets 31 home runs. Yeah. No, his average is 31 stolen bases. Stolen bases. There you go. And that's for 162-game average. Mm. I think I'm taking the under on that one. I don't usually buy career years. <laughs> it's probably pretty safe. Speaking of, I don't usually buy career years. Do you guys think uh, VR leads the in National League in stolen bases this year? I think he probably doesn't lead them, but I think he still has a strong stolen base year. So give him like uh, you know ten or twelve as far as regression. Um, but I don't think he's going to go from from where he was at to to stealing fifteen bags. Um, but I think somebody else is probably going to come up and, and take that title from him. Who, um, who, who takes it then? 
Oh, man. Now you're going to put me on the spot. Yes, sir. Yeah, didn't you have a bold prediction of, like, Billy Hamilton there, Keith? Yeah, I think Billy Hamilton's going to steal, you know, 75, so I think that's probably pretty safe. Yeah, you're on base to steal. you got to stay healthy to steal. <laughs> yeah, that's, he, that's true. He got, that's he got true. on base at a good clip. I think it was, like, 367 the last month of the season. He had more hits than, than games played in and a bunch of, like, 18 walks. Um, he had a really good on base the last, you know, month of the season. Who knows? Maybe that's against, you know, you know poor pitching and, and uh, you know, some of those guys you brought up from the minors but he's gonna have one of these seasons where he steals 80 80 plus bags is it this year it could be and I, you know one of my speaking of my bold predictions i had you know jose peraza and hamilton combining for 100 steals so whether that's 50 50 or you know 40 60 or 70 30 you know both those guys if they get on base ahead of joey Votto, are going to be running a ton because Votto's going to see a, a bunch of pitches you know he's probably top 10 in the league as far as seeing pitches so it's going to give them plenty of opportunities to take off at first base Cincinnati has no reason to keep those guys, you know, pinned down. They're just going to run wild. Yeah, potentially a lot of double steals in their future. Yeah, Billy Hamilton would be my pick, too, to lead the lead National League. And honestly, all of baseball and um, stolen bases. What about Harper with uh, home runs? Do we believe the hype? It's a tough one. Uh, can you give us an over-under <laughs> on that, Todd? That was Phil that on did ho- that one. Um, oh, over yeah, Over-under? Uh, yeah, let's well, yeah. see. Let's say 37 and a half. Over. Yeah, I'm taking over on that. Keith? Sorry, I cut uh, out over and under on who? Bryce Harper, home runs, uh, 37.5. I'm taking the over. Yeah, it's pretty pretty consensus. I think he on gets to 40. I, I think it's pretty easy to get to 40 at this point. Yeah, I haven't penciled in at 40. I'm I think. feeling 45. Oh, wow. I got I mean, Bryce Harper in the league if you want him. <laughs> so, yeah, <laughs> I don't so think do I. I'm in that league. <laughs> All righty, guys. Well, any parting words? Anything you want to promote this week? The Fantasy Front Office uh, at the Baseball Jedi and uh, the Line Score. Uh, we're doing some good work over there. Well, you can find my stuff at Fantasy underscore Keith. Um, and like uh, Phil said, check out the rest of the group over there at the Line Score. There's uh, articles being posted almost every single day on, on different sports, different topics. So it's definitely something new and fresh to check out almost every day. Yeah, we have a lot of um, exciting things going on at the line score. Uh, really, we're working on, at this rate, pretty much we have an article every day. A lot of baseball content, though, that we are planning to hit baseball pretty hard this year. Uh, so follow us at the line score on Twitter and uh, my personal account at twill15 underscore seven. And then my baseball account will be at Goldie Happens. Very Diamondback heavy, but we talk a lot of MLB too. So. Very nice. And I am at Front Office Jer, and we have been the Fantasy Front Office. See you later.